to bring your word, make it real, make it alive for each one of us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to take a little trip to the grocery store. So I just want you to imagine with me for a minute. You're in the grocery store. You're doing your shopping. And an aisle over you start to hear an eruption. And um, the eruption is growing louder. And you're presuming it's probably a young child, right? You, cr you go and you go around the corner. Sure enough, you need something in that aisle. You go down that aisle, and there is this dear mother with a child hanging onto her leg, begging with all of their being for something. Maybe it's the, you know, fruit chewies, right, that are full of sugar and dye. And this child is relentless and will not stop begging, and the mother is getting red and ashamed, and you're, like, trying to avoid eye contact, and... We've all been there, right? Maybe you've been the mother. Maybe you've been the child. <laughs> Maybe you've been the fellow shopper, right? Kids. We've all been kids. Some of us have kids. As Dwayne said, we have kids in our lives. And, and a very important part of childhood is learning to control ourselves, and to be obedient, right? This morning, I'd like to look at discipline, but also discipleship, because they actually have the same root word. So um, if you want to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, or you could also follow along on the screen, um, Hebrews chapter 12, I'd like to start by looking at some verses there um, that describe the discipline of God. Because I think if we look at God's discipline, that's probably a pretty good example to follow, right? Um, when, when we as parents would like to know how to discipline or what's important in discipline, it's probably a good place to start with the one who has created all of mankind and knows that we need that instruction and that help. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. Um, I'd like to read verses 5 through 11. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure the divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and you're not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living 
for those who are trained in this way. So the author of Hebrews ends chapter 10, this is chapter 12, but ends chapter 10 with a strong reminder, those who shrink back from God's will are destroyed, but those who endure will receive salvation. And then Hebrews 11 is filled with all of these Old Testament examples of people who did not shrink back from doing God's will. We sometimes call it the faith chapter, and we're actually going to take a journey through the faith chapter later this summer. But it's full of stories of people who did not shrink back from doing God's will. And then in Hebrews 12, it says, therefore, whenever there's a therefore, you want to know what it's there for, right, Lydia? Do any of your English teachers tell you that? That's what my my English teacher used to always tell me that. What is the word there for? It says, therefore, because of these examples, do not, no, because of these examples of what happens if you, you don't want to be filled with destruction, right? You want to follow these examples of enduring. Therefore, throw off sin, fix your eyes on Jesus, do not grow weary in doing what is right, and do not despise the Lord's discipline. It says, don't give up when the Lord disciplines you. Um, the verses that are quoted in the middle here are actually from Proverbs chapter 3. So I'd like to look at those as well. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, is what the writer of Hebrews was cross-referencing when he was writing the book. And those in the New Living Translation, it says, My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline, and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. You see, discipline proves that you are a child of the Father. The foundation of discipline is love and a desire for relationship. I'll say that again. Discipline proves you are a child of the Father. So if it was your child throwing a fit in the grocery store, you would be the one trying to discipline that child, correct them, bring instruction, bring them around to a calmer state of being, right? But if it's not your child, it's not your child. That's their problem. Discipline, if you are disciplined by the father, it means you are his child. And the foundation of discipline is not punishment. It's not retribution. It's not revenge. The foundation of discipline is love and a desire for relationship. And that's where we sometimes get tripped up. So I'd like us to really look at that that foundation. The foundation of discipline is coming out of a desire for relationship and love. The Lord corrects the one he loves just as a father corrects the one in whom he delights. In Proverbs, there's a couple different Hebrew words that are being used here. The one is musar, which is kind of like mucker. I thought that was funny. It involves God's disciplinary actions. And yakah refers to God's corrective words. So we see, even in Proverbs, we see this picture of action and corrective words that are used, that the Father uses to bring discipline in our lives. That's the example 
that we follow as parents. When we talk about the father's discipline, including corrective words, it made me think of the verse in 2 Timothy, where it says, all scripture, God's words, are useful for correction and teaching and rebuking and training in righteousness. So even if you're not a parent in this room today, or you are a parent who doesn't have children in the house anymore, this topic applies to all of us because we all also come under the discipline of God. But again, it's not the punishment, you know, like he's not up there with a big iron frying pan ready to whack a mole. He brings discipline through his word. He brings correction and redirection through his word. In verse 9 of Hebrews, we see the proper response to the discipline of the Lord is obedience. Verse 9 says, Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? The, the, our, the proper response to, toward the discipline of the Father is obedience. Obedience to the Father, submitting to his way of living. He gives us freedom to make choices. And it brings him great joy when we choose to live in that way of freedom, when we choose to live not under the bondage of sin, but when we choose to live in his ways. The benefits of submitting to the Father and the benefits of obeying him are holiness and peaceful right living. Verses 10 through 11 say, For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Godly discipline is for our good. It enables us to share in God's holiness, to be different from the world, to be like Christ, not become a God but to become more Christ-like in our character, in our nature, in the way that we live. So I'd like to look at the difference between discipline and discipleship a little bit, and then we're going to talk about some practical aspects of discipline. Discipline can be a noun or a verb. Discipline as a noun is training that corrects, molds, or perfects the mental faculties or moral character. Um, basically, discipline is instruction that trains someone so that they can become mature and grow. Discipline as a verb is to train or develop somebody by instruction and exercise or action, especially in self-control, or to penalize them for the sake of enforcing obedience and perfecting moral character. Basically, discipline is to teach Train, correct, instruct, chastise. Right? And we've all endured discipline. 
The root word of discipline comes from discipulus, is, is, sorry, the root word of discipline is discipulus. It's the Latin word for pupil or student. And it's also the root word for disciple. So sometimes we think about, when we think about the word disciple, we think about the 12 disciples that Jesus had, right? But we're all called to be his disciples. We're called to be his disciples. We're called to make disciples. What is a disciple? It's a student, a student of Jesus. So discipleship is a lifelong journey that leads to maturity in our relationship with Jesus. When we are his student, when we are his disciple, when we enter this journey of discipleship, it's a long-term thing. It doesn't just happen overnight. It's a a lifetime commitment to be his student, to walk in his ways, to learn from his teachings and from his word. The nitty-gritty of discipline in our homes is this. How can I, as a student of Jesus, also teach, train, and disciple my children to become students of Jesus? I'll say that again. The nitty-gritty of discipline is how can I, as a student of Jesus, teach and train my children to become students of Jesus. There's something that changes as our children get older. And some of you have experienced that. You're no longer the one who's bringing discipline. You are fellow disciples on the same path, on the same journey together. Following Jesus together, learning what it means to be students of Jesus together. There's three fundamentals of discipline that I'd like to look at a little bit closer today. One is love and relationships. The second one is teaching and training. And the third one is self-discipline and obedience. So let's look at love and relationships. We see this foundation in Hebrews chapter 12. The foundation of the Lord's discipline is love. It's his desire to have relationship with us. That's the foundation of discipline. And when we can approach discipline with that foundation, it changes the way we approach the behaviors of our children that we find very irritating. Effective discipline in our homes starts with a heart connection. There's a, um, there, was a, there are so many parenting resources. So that's the other thing. Like how do you do a whole big thing on discipline in 40 minutes? I'm going to try. But there's so many parenting resources. One of the ones that I found very helpful for me when, when our children were younger is called um, parenting is heart work. And that's really what it is. Parenting is heart work. It's hard work, but it's also heart work. The foundation of discipline in our homes starts with love and relationship, and it's about our kids' hearts. 
and it doesn't always discipline doesn't always um, it's, it doesn't always look like a particular formula. Any of you who have more than one child, you know that they're all different. They might come from the same DNA, but they're not the same. And so when we can start with love and relationship as the foundation for our discipline, it allows us to approach the way that we teach and train our children in a little bit of an individual way, according to what their needs are, according to what their weaknesses and strengths are, according to what is going to be most important for them to learn and understand. We see that the way of Jesus is, first of all, love. So we're talking about discipline, but also being disciples of Jesus, right? And when the Pharisees came to Jesus, uh, so the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the Sadducees, they all liked to ask Jesus difficult questions because they were trying to trap him. And the, there was a particular time um, the Sadducees had asked him a, a question. He answered it, and the Pharisees saw that the Sadducees were not able to trap him, so they asked a question. And one of them asked the question. It was actually in the verses that um, Kaylin had chosen as some of her favorite verses. The question was, what is the greatest commandment? Okay, these are the teachers of the law, the Pharisees. They know all the commandments. They know the Ten Commandments. They know the other 600 commandments that some are in the New Old Testament and some are ones that they added to it. They knew them all. What's the greatest commandment, Jesus? They were going to trick him. See which one he picked out of all of those. And his answer was not, his answer did not start with submit or obey or fear. His answer to the question of what is the greatest commandment was love. Love the Lord your God with your entire being with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. That is the second commandment. See, the way of Jesus is relationship over rules. I'm not saying we don't have guidelines and rules. I'm just saying the foundation is love and relationship. So a question we can ask ourselves, what does that look like? in our homes? What does it look like when love is the foundation of our training? When relationship is more important than rules? In our home, we had some very challenging times because we have four children. That means all four of them are different. And so there were multiple times that we had to come back again and again. Okay, what is the heart issue here that we need to address? What's the heart issue? And how do we work on that instead of just rattling out all the rules? Because you'll have at least one who will push the boundaries every time. And if you have six children, I'm sure there's more than one. <laughs> you know? So what is, what is the heart issue and how do we address that? within the parameters of what we're, where we're wanting to, to guide them. Um, the s second fundamentals of discipline are teaching and training. 
This is where it takes our effort as parents. This is where it takes us being intentional and working hard at the parenting stuff. So teaching and training involves giving clear expectations. When the expectations are not clear, the child will be confused. If one day you expect them to clean up the toys, and the next day you don't expect the same thing, and then the next day you expect it again, the child's going to be confused. And so really, as parents, it's important for us to learn to communicate well with our children. What are the instructions? What are the expectations? It involves explaining our boundaries and consequences. God modeled this, actually, in the garden. If you go back to Genesis um, chapter 2, we see that the Lord had planted a garden in Eden. It gives us all of this um, description about the garden. He made all kinds of trees grow in the garden. And the trees were pleasing to the eye, and they were good for food. And in the middle of the garden, there were two trees, and one of them they were not supposed to eat from. God made that very clear. He took Adam to the garden. He put him there. He gave him an assignment to work and take care of the garden. I always tell the youth, God created work before sin came. Right? Have you guys heard me say that? God created work before sin came into being. Work is not as a result of the fall of man. Work is not the result of sin. Work is good. We've been created to work. God put Adam there, and then he said, you are free to eat from any of the trees in this garden except that one. And if you do eat from that one, you will die. God gave very clear instructions, and he gave a very clear consequence. And it still got tested, right? So we know that even when we give our clear instructions and clear consequences, there will be at least one of our children, actually all of them because they're all human, who will test those things. But the Lord gave Adam freedom. You can have, you can eat from any of the trees in this garden. That's a lot of freedom. He had the whole garden and one instruction. And he still struggled to be responsible with that one instruction in the middle of that freedom. And that's what we see, not only in our kids' lives, but in our own lives too, right? God gives us freedom to choose. And so many, and we know, we can read in his word, we see what he says, and we still choose what we know he says not to do. We, we all still need to be trained under the discipline of our Heavenly Father. So giving clear instructions is important. An explanation of expectations and boundaries and consequences. It takes time. It takes energy to do this. It takes wisdom to teach and train proactively instead of reactionary. So this is, it's true that parents Parenting is hard work. It also is hard work. We've, we have to be a step ahead of them, right? And that's not always easy. 
It involves becoming a student of our children in order to be able to guide and direct them. Each child is different. Not everything works the same for each one. As parents, it also includes working together. Um, so many times, the thing that can cause confusion in our home is if one parent is strict and the other is lenient. And the kids soon learn how to play the parents, right? So it does take working together when, we, when we're, if we're parenting together, it takes work to actually be in unity and do it together. Um, there's a couple ideas that I had gotten from a, a book called And Then I Had Kids um, that I would just want to share here. One, uh, these are ideas or components of a discipline strategy. So one is to define clear expectations. Again, this is where we need to work together. Identify the problem. Do a little bit of research. Come up with an agreed-upon plan. Um, it, it's helpful to start with some some expectations in our like in our family in our home perhaps we have the expectations of honesty and courtesy and how we treat each other and the people around us not just in our home um, and responsibility even if you start with those three honesty courtesy responsibility then how do we help to teach and train our children in those things when a situation comes up and you know they obviously got into the cupcake that was on your counter and it wasn't because it was a one-year-old birthday smash fund you know like it was a cupcake on the counter that was in you know it was covered with saran wrap there was instructions not to touch it and your child you find them with icing all around their mouth okay so then you say did you eat that cupcake no well, in this house, it's really important that we tell the truth. So would you like to have another chance to tell me the truth? Did you eat the cupcake? Yes. You've been able to explain the expectation of honesty. And then you can decide how you're going to help them remember that for the next time, right? These are simple things. You all know what you have going on in your home. I'm not going to be able to give lots of <laughs> examples for everything. But even if there's just those, those core values, honesty, courtesy, responsibility, how are we going to teach and train our children? And how are we going to address the things that go against that? When they're when the I iron is sharpening iron in the relationships between your children, how are you going to help them learn that courtesy toward each other? So define your clear expectations and then communicate them clearly with your children. Remember, your children don't telepathically understand what you're thinking. So communicate what your expectations are and what the consequences will be. A part of that can also be using positive reinforcement. Explain to your child the way you would like them to approach you in conversation. This is kind of, this is one that, that I had gotten this, I had read this example somewhere when my kids were young, and we were having issues with interruptions. So like I would be having a conversation with someone and my kids would interrupt me. 
um, because there was something really important. It was like, you know, after church, and I was talking with someone, and they really wanted to invite this friend over. And they needed to know because that friend's parents needed to know because they were going to soon leave the parking lot. So, like, it was urgent, you know? And they would come and interrupt. So I had read this idea. <laughs> None of y'all have ever had that, right? Okay. So <laughs> I had read this idea and decided to try it out. So you, you explain ahead of time, okay, interruption is not showing courtesy to the people that your parents are talking with. Okay, and remember, courtesy is something that's important in our family. So when you have something really important that you need to say and we're in conversation, please approach us quietly, like not interrupting the conversation, and put your hand on my arm. And then I would put my hand on their hand to let them know that I knew they were there and wait for an, a natural pause in the conversation so that I could address their concern. That's just an example. But ex if you have those particular things that you're having issues with, do a little bit of research. See what kinds of ideas other people have done or ideas that you can find from parenting resources to try and then explain it to your children and test it out and see how it goes. It doesn't always work, but it at least helps like, it, at least they learn to stop for a moment before blurting out the request to go with a friend after church. Another part of a discipline strategy is deciding upon appropriate consequences and following through. So you've given them freedom in a certain area, and they've been irresponsible or disobedient. And they need to learn how to be responsible with that freedom that you've given them. So explain the consequences and follow through. That's the really important part. We can talk and talk and talk and talk, but if there's no follow through, they'll just hear the Charlie Brown, wah, 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 and tune you out, right? So there has to be that follow through. Um, Teach obedience because it's preparing your children for the future. But remember, when you're coming, when it's coming from a heart to disciple your children rather than to punish them or repay them what they deserve, it's going to go better for everybody. None of us get what we deserve, right? Jesus paid the price for us. We don't get what we deserve. And so there's this balance between disciplining and giving mercy in a way that will continue to shape and mold our children and help them learn to be obedient. Some examples of consequences are natural results of actions. Don't just bail them out all the time. Help them learn to problem solve. Uh, you forgot your lunch. Sorry. What do you think you can do about it? I mean, you know, maybe a friend would be willing to share. Maybe you could fast. <laughs> okay. I mean, I guess some people go looking for food in the trash can, but I wouldn't suggest that one. All right. But rather than just quickly bailing them out, help them learn from the natural results of their actions. And next time they won't forget their lunch, right? 
um, withdrawal of privileges is another consequence. So time out. I'm sorry, but right now you throwing a fit and hitting your brother is not showing courtesy. And so you can no longer have the privilege of being in this room in the middle of the action. You need to sit over here and you need to calm down, right? Um, devices are a big thing as your kids get older. Sometimes we don't keep our privileges, right? We take advantage of the responsibilities, that of the freedom that we've been given. We make bad choices. The device goes on timeout. Um, you guys get it. You understand the withdrawal of privileges. And another big part of consequences is helping our children learn to make restitution. It's really important because remember, we're working on their hearts. We're not just working on behavior modification. So making restitution is asking God for forgiveness. And if there's people around us that we've hurt, we need to ask them for forgiveness as well. That's part of the, of the consequences. That's part of the, the um, discipling that happens as we're disciplining our children. A couple of things to keep in mind um, that help you when you're coming up with cons when you're coming up with consequences was it willful disobedience or just a mistake like did they throw the milk at their brother across the floor or did they just spill it when they were trying to eat their breakfast you know um was it willful or was it a mistake is it a critical issue or a secondary issue is it a character development issue or just a preference one of the one of the phrases that I used a lot in my, as we were parenting our children was, pick your battles. So the most important battles are going to be those character development ones, not the secondary issues. Um, one example that I can think of so very clearly, we have, I know, you know what, you, you hear a lot about the terrible twos. You know, and I always feel bad for parents, you know, they have a brand new two-year-old and everyone's like, oh, watch out for the terrible twos. In our house, it was the trying threes that were worse than the terrible twos. And I don't even know why each age has to have a label, right? But we had one particular um, child in our family who was one who would, you know, test the boundaries, every time and i read a book that was called you can't make me but i can be persuaded you can't make me but i can be persuaded and it's what i was living in that particular time in our parenting with this particular three-year-old um, and the book was super super helpful but one of the ideas that goes along with this, is it a critical issue or is it a secondary issue, was to give choices within the boundaries and guidelines that you have set. So I was like, I'm going to test this out. We lived at the farmhouse at the orchard, and it was a, it was a cool day, um, and I wanted the children to either wear shoes or a sweatshirt. And I knew I could have said, go get a sweatshirt. It's cold outside. 
But I also knew that picking your battles meant giving a little bit of sway. Was it a character issue for my child to wear a sweatshirt? No. It was a secondary issue. So I thought, I'm going to test this out. I was like, it's chilly outside. Can you please either put shoes on or get a sweatshirt? Sure. This child ran upstairs, got a sweatshirt, ran out the door, and played for hours. That's what I knew that child would choose because they never wore shoes. But I gave them a choice. And instead of having a battle for 30 minutes on my kitchen floor, this child had something a little warm on and was outside playing. Now, it takes a lot of work and effort. But especially in those situations where it's, it's not a character development issue, it's a secondary issue, I encourage you to find those ways to allow your children to have a little bit of a say so that they're not feeling like they're being controlled all day long, right? Like none of us like to feel like we're being controlled all day long. We, ha- we like to have a little bit of a, of a say in what we decide to do. Again, like I said, it wasn't a character issue. It was a secondary thing. So um, that trick helped me a ton when our kids were young. It takes a little bit of extra thinking to think ahead, but it does help. The Bible gives some clear instructions for families in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. I'd like to read those verses real quickly. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. That is, accept their guidance and discipline as his representatives. For this is right. Obedience teaches wisdom and self-discipline. Honor, which means to esteem and value as precious your father and mother, and be respectful to them. This is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and you may have a long life on the earth. Fathers, and this would be, I would say, parents, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to the point of resentment with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive nor by showing favoritism or indifference to them, to any of them, but bring them up tenderly with loving kindness in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There's a lot of instructions in there, right? I'll let you just kind of chew on that a little bit more later. We're not going to take time to unpack all of it. But decide upon appropriate consequences and follow through. Keep in mind, what is a character issue? What is a secondary issue? Don't provoke your children. Bring them up in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. Another idea um, for some practical things with discipline is using preventative measures. Routine is very helpful for young children. Diversion, substitute uh, a safe activity for one that's dangerous. Um, Anticipation, creatively planning ahead. If you are on vacation and you know that every time you come home from vacation, the house falls apart, schedule a couple days to just be home so that you have time to give to the children so that the house doesn't have to all fall apart that time. Um, You know what the specific things are in your family. Another part of this is to stay balanced. Recognize discipline extremes and seek to be consistent. 
and allow for failure. Allowing our children to fail is part of growth. God allows us to fail, right? He's not expecting us to be perfect. He's desiring for us to grow and become more mature. He doesn't want us to stay childlike in our faith. We don't want our children to be childish all of their years, right? By the time they graduate from high school, hopefully they're not still childish. But allow them to make mistakes and allow for failure. That's part of growth. Um, Allow them to go through the natural consequences of their choices and their actions. They'll learn from that. Mistakes and failures are not the enemy. They're a part of helping our kids grow. And when our children do make mistakes, because they will, be ready to comfort them, to walk with them as they experience the consequences, help them make restitution. Because isn't that what Jesus does for us? Right? And remember, as parents, we will fail too especially in the area of disciplining our children. We don't get it right all the time. Um, There's a wise woman named Rebecca who's been known to pray, Lord, please fill in the gaps. Please fill in the gaps. We don't all get it right. But our Father in Heaven is a perfect parent, and He does fill in those gaps. Teaching and training is a fundamental component of godly discipline built upon the foundation of love and relationship. And I just like, would like to end with the third one. Um, the third fundamental for discipline is really the goal of discipline, and that is self-discipline and obedience. These are byproducts of discipleship done in love and relationship. See, self-discipline helps our children stand up against the temptations of sin. So we want to be able to move from parent-imposed discipline to self-discipline. That's part of growth. That's part of maturing. That's part of the goal is to help our children move from parent-imposed discipline to self-discipline. Right? I mean, because I don't have a parent who's still imposing discipline on me. I've had to learn to be self-disciplined. And that's the goal of discipline. That's why we teach and train our children. Help them develop their self-control muscles. Um, A a big one, this is a a quick example, a big one that I've seen um, in lots of different things over the years is how to handle money. So how do we teach our children how to handle money? How do we help them develop money handling muscles? If we don't ever give them an allowance or don't help them get a job and they have no way of, of handling money, they're not going to learn how to make wise choices with money, right? So maybe you give them a certain amount. We go to the store. This is what you have to spend. And if they just spend it all on junk and candy, well, and it makes them sick in the stomach, Maybe they'll learn the next time to make a better choice with their money. But when you start out with $1 or $5 or $10, they will learn. They will learn eventually how to make wise choices with money. But if you don't help them learn how to build up that money handling muscle, when they're 18 and they've got a job, they might not make good choices with their money. 
I mean, they still might not, but hopefully they will have learned some things along the way, right? So that's just one example. Help your children learn to make wise choices and manage their freedom in a responsible way. Obedience to the Father is learned through obedience to parents. So self-discipline and obedience are the goal of discipline. I'd like to share this quote by Susan Alexander Yates. The training in self-discipline and obedience will equip them for living in a world full of temptations. With a foundation of self-discipline, they will be better able to discern and say no to things that are not right. Part of the goal is for our children to move, as I said, from that parent-imposed obedience to self-discipline that's fueled by a desire to love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Remember, we're given, as parents, we're given this responsibility to teach and train our children, but really it's the Holy Spirit who works in their hearts. It's the Holy Spirit who brings, helps bring about that shaping, that molding, that growth, just as he works in our hearts. So if we double back here to Hebrews, the father corrects the one he loves, the one in whom he delights. Discipline proves you are a child of God, and the foundation of discipline is love and a desire for relationship. The result of good discipline is holiness. I like the part in Hebrews 12, verse 10, where it says, God's discipline is always good for us. It's good discipline. It's good discipline. And it's so that we might share in his holiness. God's discipline is always good. His goal is holiness, moral purity, and completeness, becoming more like him in our nature. God always trains for an eternal end, not just a short-term behavior modification. So as we train our children, our goal should be the same as that of God, our Father. The benefits of discipline are peace and right living, a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained by discipline. I'll read that again. I think that's a pretty cool result or goal of discipline, benefit of discipline. A peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained by discipline. It's a lifestyle that seeks to conform to God's will and purpose, to do the right thing for the right reason out of a motivation of love for God. John 14, 15. In John 14, 15, Jesus said this to his disciples, if you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments or my instructions. So I'd like to invite the worship team to come. Um, but I'd like for you to take a, just a bit of time to reflect in your own life. Um, there's four questions that I have listed on the handout for you to think about. Um, hopefully there's at least one of those questions that applies to where you are today. In what area of my life right now do I see the Father bringing his correction so that I can become more like Christ? 
in my thoughts, actions, and words? Is there an area in my life right now where the Father is bringing his discipline so I can walk in greater freedom? In what area of my relationship with my children do I need my Father to help me be more like him? And is there an area in my parenting where I need to be more intentional, focusing on the heart of my child, or giving clear expectations and consequences, or staying balanced, or giving more grace for mistakes and failures? So as we worship together, I just want to encourage you to reflect on those things. And remember, not only does the Holy Spirit work in the hearts of our children, but he also works in our hearts. And as we are disciples of Jesus, students of him, and we seek to help our children become disciples of Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit who empowers us and helps us to be able to do that. So let's worship together. Um, I will invite the prayer team as well. If there's um, something that you would like prayer for, please feel free to come. If there's an area in your life where you really want someone to stand with you in prayer, I invite you to come for prayer. If there's an area of healing that you desire, I invite you also to come for prayer. But let's worship together. Just one more. 